morning, everybody. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. In just a moment, we're going to read verse 10. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. I am thrilled that you are with us this morning, whether you're watching online or here in the room. My name is Will, and I am the senior pastor here, and I'm delighted that as we kick off our new year, you've decided to be here with us as we seek to live our best lives as we follow Jesus. And uh, Today, we're beginning a new series where we're going to talk about purpose, who we are and what we were created for. And it's good for us to begin by reading from Scripture together. And so uh, Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, we'll get into that more in a, in a little while. But if you got your Bibles, great. If not, you can just follow along on the screen as I read to us this one verse from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Here's what Paul has to say. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are God's handiwork. One of my favorite uh, rabbinic stories from ancient Israel is of a guy named Akiba, Rabbi Akiba. He's, uh, uh, he's living and doing his thing about a generation after the time of Jesus. And there's a story about Akiba that one day he's leaving the city and he's making his way back home and he finds himself getting lost deep in thought. You, you guys know what it feels like to just kind of lose yourself as you're thinking about something important. And this is what's happening to Rabbi Akiba as he's walking back home from Jerusalem. And the story says that as he's walking, he's lost in thought and the sun is starting to set. And there's a moment where he takes a wrong turn. And instead of going back home, he ends up at a Roman military fortress. And he arrives at the gate of this military fortress and there's a soldier who is sitting at the top. And he looks down at Akiba and you can tell uh, Akiba is a little surprised that he's there. And the Roman soldier looks at him with his weapon drawn and he says, who are you and what are you doing here? And the story says that Akiba begins to laugh a little bit and the soldier is clearly annoyed at this. And he says, I'm gonna ask you one more time, who are you and what are you doing here? And in that moment, after hearing it a second time, the rabbi begins to laugh a little bit. He laughs a little bit more. And he says to the soldier who's at the top of the castle, he says, I'm, I'm curious, how much do they pay you to serve? How much do they pay you? And the Roman military soldier says, they pay me two denarii a week. Now tell me, who are you and what are you doing here? And Akiba looks at the soldier and he says, I'll tell you what. I'll pay you double that to come down and walk home with me and every day ask me those same two questions. Who are you and what are you doing here? Aren't those the two questions that ultimately define our lives? Who are you and what are you doing here? Those are questions, y'all, that I want us to focus on for a little bit. They're questions that realistically we do not ask consciously. But I want to tell you those two questions, who are you and what are you doing here? Those are always kind of hovering beneath the surface. They're always kind of hanging in the ether. And we, whether or not we want to recognize it, find ourselves asking those questions more often than you might think. And if you doubt me on that, I wanna talk a little bit this morning about something that maybe we do and maybe we don't. I wanna talk about New Year's resolutions, okay? And who in here makes New Year's resolutions? Anybody? You may, okay, good, I'm glad. I'm glad, I gotta be honest with you. 
I know some of you think New Year's resolutions are rubbish, but I, in fact, make New Year's resolutions. And here's why. Because they give us an opportunity to reflect. They give us an opportunity to reflect on the year that has gone by and to look forward to the year that is ahead. It's going to be no surprise to you. Think about New Year's resolutions. What are the top New Year's resolutions that people make? Do you know? Yep. You want, you, we're going to lose some weight. Anybody, anybody on that one? Yep. There you go. Okay. We're going to lose some weight. We're going to, uh, we're going to exercise more. That's another of the top five. One of the other ones is we're going to read more. We're going to be more educated. A lot of people, when they're asked about their new year's resolution, some of them say, I'm going to go to church more. I'm going to be in an environment of worship more often. Maybe some of you are doing that this morning or you're watching online for the first time in a while because you have made a resolution to do something that will ultimately make you a better person. I want you to think about resolutions for just a minute in light of those two questions. Who are you and what are you doing here? And if you can frame it through those two questions, then here's what you can understand that resolutions at their core are about those two questions. And we make resolutions, we make resolutions because we want better answers to those two questions. We make better answers when we consciously ask those questions. And ultimately, y'all, that's what New Year's resolutions are all about. Who are you and what are you doing here? And with that in mind, here's what I want us to do. Over the course of the next six weeks, we're going to spend some time looking at Scripture. We're going to spend some time looking at Paul. We're going to spend some time looking at Jesus. We're going to spend some time in the Old Testament because the reality is, you guys, listen, the stories of Scripture, they are filled. They are filled with examples and ideas about who we are, about how we can find our identity in Jesus, about how we can live into our purpose. And so over the course of the next six weeks, what we are gonna do together is we are gonna talk about identity. We're gonna talk about purpose. We're gonna talk about those two questions. And here's how we're gonna do it. We're gonna talk two weeks, this week and next week, about your purpose as an individual. Then after that, what we're going to do is we're going to spend some time talking about our purpose collectively as a church. And then in the final two weeks, I want to talk about God's purpose. When God set it all in motion, what was his goal? What was his purpose in bringing the cosmos into creation? I'm excited about this series because it can help us launch into the new year asking and answering those two questions better. Who are you and what are you doing here? And we're going to get to the biblical answers in just a few minutes. But what I want to do before we get to, to what Jesus has to say, to what Paul has to say, to what Genesis and Moses has to say, what I want to do first is I want to spend a little time talking about how culture is going to answer those questions. When you ask those two questions in the broader framework of American culture in 2024, how are we collectively going to answer those questions? And the, 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 y'all, the reality is once I share with you what the dominant consciousness is, you will see how markedly contrasted it is to the way of Jesus and how we are taught to think. How do we answer those two questions as a culture? And the first person I want to talk to you a little bit about this morning is a guy named Yuval Noah Harari. I've talked about him before, and Harari over the past uh, seven, eight years has written prolifically. A few of his books that have become uh, major bestsellers, Homo Deus is one, and then Sapiens is another book. Sapiens is kind of his benchmark book. And the idea behind Sapiens is that it tracks humanity from our origin all the way up until today. 
And this book, you guys, has sold 10 million copies. It is a book that is standard, uh, standardly assigned in college classrooms. It's a book that has uh, transformed how a lot of people think. And in this book, what Harari does, by the way, he's a professor at the uh, Hebrew University in Jerusalem. He's a professor of history, but he's dealing with philosophy and ultimately with questions of meaning. And, and in his first book, Sapiens, there's a section where he's talking about our identity. Who are we? Where are we coming from? What is our purpose? And remember, y'all, this is the dominant strain of consciousness in our culture today. And here is what Harari has to say that from a scientific viewpoint, human life has no meaning. Humans are the outcome of blind evolutionary processes that operate without purpose or goal. So when we ask the question, who are we and what are we doing here? One of the major shapers of opinion in our culture today says we are the blind outcome of evolutionary processes and you have no goal and you have no meaning. And what Harari says is that the quicker we can come to terms with that reality, the more capable we will be of living a life that is filled with meaning. And I've got to tell you, while his books are fascinating to read, and they really are interesting to read, that sort of idea ultimately will crush us under the weight of its meaninglessness. Who are we and what are we doing here? And Harari gives us one answer, another kind of more pop culture answers from a, a, a guy named Neil deGrasse Tyson. If you're not familiar with Neil deGrasse Tyson, Tyson is just this incredible writer as well. He, he had a show that came out on Fox a few years ago called The Cosmos. It's a really fascinating show. I invite you, it's like a 10 part series that came out really beautiful. I invite you to go and watch that because it gives us a, sci a scientific ideology on how we came to be. And Neil deGrasse Tyson. Fascinatingly, y'all, deGrasse Tyson, he is actually going to be coming to Evans, to the yonder country of Evans in a few months. And I'm going to go out and see it because I think it's going to be incredible to sit and hear this guy because he's brilliant. He's the director of the Hayden Planetarium in Manhattan. He's just this really funny, gregarious sort of character. I love listening to him. And, and in one of the books he wrote recently, Astrophysics for People in a Hurry, he's asking this question. He's been asked this question. And whereas Harari gives us an answer that is devoid of meaning, right? You live, you die, and that's the end of the story. What deGrasse Tyson does is he takes it one step further. And here's what he says, that you, ultimately, you as a person, you are the one who can make meaning. And he cautions us, don't look for it. Because if you look for it, the reality is that you may never find it. Don't look for meaning in the cosmos because what you will find is nothing. But instead, what Neil deGrasse Tyson says is make your own meaning. If you want to know who you are and you want to know why you exist, ultimately the answers lie within your own self. If I can frame that in a more popular context, right, that would be kind of the phrase, you do you. You do you because you are the one who creates meaning in your life. You are the one who creates purpose in your life. And there is nothing overarching. There is no meta narrative. So at the end of the day, you get to create your own meaning. Y'all think about that. 
for just a few moments. And while Harari's version crushes us under the weight of meaninglessness, what Tyson does, while it seems more positive, is in fact just as depressing because it puts the existential weight of purpose on you and you alone. And if those were our only two answers, friends, we could walk out of here with our heads hanging low and ultimately be depressed. But thanks be to God, when we ask those two questions, who are you and what are you doing here? There are better and more profound answers. And instead of looking to the scientific view of the world, which there's nothing wrong with science, right? I'm a proponent of science. I think it's a beautiful thing. But when we ask questions of meaning, we find better answers by looking to our faith. And what I want to do for the next few minutes is to ask those two questions through the viewpoint, beginning to do that this morning, of Scripture. And the first place to go is all the way back in the beginning, on the first page of the Bible, where we read the story of creation, where we read about how in the beginning the the earth was formless and void and darkness covered the face of the deep and there was nothing and God was outside of time. There actually wasn't even time as a construct and God in the story begins to create everything and he creates light and he creates and he separates water from dry land and he creates animals according to their kind and he creates everything that is the, the, the grass of the field and the trees that we eat and the plants that we eat according to their kind. And everything is made according to its kind. And then in the book of Genesis, y'all, this is really important. In the book of Genesis, where God has created almost everything, there's a moment where God stops. And God says on the sixth day, Let us create humankind. Let us create human beings in our image. Do you understand what a profound statement that is? Who are you? And according to Noah, Yuval Harari, you are the outcome of blind evolutionary process. But if we take this story seriously, rather than being an accident, what the story actually tells us is something far more profound, that you are created in the image of God. That you are created in the image of the thing that is ultimate and beyond and more profound than we could ever imagine. And instead of being crushed under the weight of meaninglessness, what we find when we read in Genesis chapter 1 is that we were created with a purpose by a God who looks at us and says, you are good. I'm going to spend a little bit more time. Next week, the entire sermon is going to be centered around this idea of the image of God. But I want to begin there. Because when we begin with the idea that we are created in the image of God, then it begins to do something inside of our hearts. Because if we can see that, and if, friends, we can trust it, that we were created in the image of God, and then God looked at what he had made, which is you and you and you and you and me too. And what does he say? But he says, it is good. And if we can understand that, y'all, we begin to inhabit this space where we believe 
And we trust that at the core of the human condition is this idea known as original goodness. And contrary to what some of us have been taught, right? I didn't grow up in church, and you know that. But the little bit of time I did go around church, I was always told how bad I was. I was always told how broken in religious language, how depraved I was. But what I want us to know, y'all, before we get anywhere else, before we go any further down the line, if you want to know who you are and you want to know what you are doing here, the first step on that journey is to recognize that you are created in the image of God and you created in that image of God, you ultimately bear the stamp of divine goodness. And that, friend, sets our lives on a course that is filled with meaning and with purpose. And I could stop there, but we're not going to because we trust the Jesus tradition to tell us the truth about who we are and why we are here. And yes, we have divine goodness, the breath of God that is breathed into us when we were fashioned from the dust of the earth. And that is good and that is true and that is right. But if we take the biblical story seriously, there is another dimension to who we are. And friends, who we are at a deep, and again, to use that phrase, existential level, we are broken people. We are broken people. And the reality is where Neil deGrasse Tyson says, you get to make your own meaning. You get to make your own purpose. What scripture over and over tells us about ourselves is that left to our own devices, left to our own willpower, our own wants, our own desires, we are in a real mess. Because at the heart of the human condition, alongside of original goodness, is this reality that we know as sin. It is missing the mark to use the accurate translation. It is, we were created in the image of God, designed to do these incredible things, but inside of each and every one of us, if we are being honest, there is the propensity and the ability and the always present danger of missing that mark of original goodness, of missing that mark who God created us to be. And we have to be honest with ourselves that if we want to be holy, who God intends for us to be, we can't create our own meaning. We cannot create our own meaning because ultimately each of us is infected with this thing called sin. Paul wrote a letter to the church at Rome and I'm gonna be doing my Wednesday night Bible study, me and Laurel Landon and a couple others, we're gonna be doing a Wednesday night Bible study on the book of Romans. I encourage you to come and be a part of that. But, but in Romans chapter three, just to sum it up, here's what Paul says about the human condition, that there is no distinction. There is no distinction for all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory for all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And look, I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer. I'm not trying to be depressing this morning, but I'm just inviting you to take a look at your own life. Take a look at your own day-to-day -day existence. And the fact of the matter is, if you think for a second that you can create your own meaning, look at your life and you will know better because you will see every single day there are things you should do that you don't, and there are things that you shouldn't do and you do. And the word for that is sin. All have sinned, Paul says, and fallen short of the glory of God. And so the first thing we know about ourselves is that we were created in the image of God. 
But the second thing we need to know is that left to our own devices, we are broken. And if we stop there, it's not good news. But thanks be to God, as we ask questions about identity, who are we and what are we doing here? We don't rest on ourselves, but instead, for those of us who are here in this room and we have committed our lives to following Jesus, what we begin to see is that through him, through his death on the cross, where he died for the sins of all people, through his death on the cross, and ultimately, y'all, you know me, through his resurrection on Easter Sunday morning, we aren't left to our own devices. We aren't stuck in our sin. We aren't left to create our own meaning because when he emerged from the grave on Easter Sunday morning, what we found is that the world is a fundamentally different place. And if we wanna know who we are, and if we wanna know why we are here, we can find the answers to those questions through Jesus. Paul wrote this letter to the church at Ephesus. I read to you just a moment ago at the beginning of the sermon from Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. Now, Paul, one of the early followers of Jesus, he wrote 13 letters, 13 letters. Some of them were to individual churches like the church at Rome. Some of the letters he wrote were to individual people like Timothy. But this letter, while we call it the letter to the church at Ephesus, the Ephesians, the reality is that most scholars think because our earliest, uh, our earliest manuscripts of this letter don't say to the church at Ephesus, it's just to the church. And so most scholars believe that this letter to the church at Ephesus was in fact what we call a circular letter that it was intended to go to all Christians that were living in the Mediterranean area where, where Paul was going and doing his work and planting churches because he wanted everybody to know, not just one church, but he wanted everybody to know the information he was providing through this letter that we call Ephesians. And addressing questions of identity are of central importance to Paul. Addressing questions of who we are and why we are here are at the forefront of everything that he writes. And in this letter in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, I want to remind you again of what he says. If you want to know your identity, here's what it is. That this is the explanation that you, God has made us what we are. God has made you what you are. You are created in King Jesus for the good works that he has prepared ahead of time. And this is the road that we are called to travel. This is the road we must travel as you seek to answer those questions. Who are you and what are you doing here? Paul says to the church, not just the church of Ephesus, but to all of us, if you wanna know who you are, you are created by God. God has made you what you are. God has made you what you are so that you could do the work that he has prepared for you to do. If you want to know who you are and you want to know your purpose, friends, that's what you need to know. You were created by God with an intention to do work. The translation I read to you at the beginning says you are God's handiwork. If I can take the Greek word for just a minute for handiwork, it's the Greek word poema. It's a word that we take and we make it the word poem, poetry. So when you think about handiwork, the language is kind of clunky, but when you can begin to grasp the real central concept that Paul is dealing with, you want to know who you are? You are God's masterpiece. 
You are God's thing that he created with intentionality and with trust that it was gonna be good. If you wanna know who you are, think about God in the same way that you might think about Beethoven sitting down to craft one of his symphonies. If you wanna know who you are, think about Shakespeare sitting down to pen one of his sonnets. If you wanna know who you are, Think about Third Eye Blind crafting one of the greatest albums the world has ever known. Maybe, maybe not. I won't use that at 11. It won't work at all because it didn't work here. I'm sunk, okay? <laughs> if you want to know, if you want to know who you are, you are God's masterpiece created with intentionality to go out and do the work, to go out and do the work of being a parent to young children who need to have love and grace, to go out and do the work of being a kind coworker and employee or employer who shows generosity and love in a culture that is increasingly stingy. You are God's masterpiece created to do incredible things. But there's another thing Paul says. There's another thing Paul says that yes, you were created by God and you were created to do incredible things to do the work that he's given you to do prepared ahead of time it's the stuff we must do Paul says but there's one phrase I want us to focus on for the last few minutes that we're together and here's what it is that we were created in King Jesus that ultimately who are you you're you 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 are a human being that is created in the image of God you were created in King Jesus. If you want to find your purpose, listen, y'all, I stand here on this platform and tell you, you can live a good life without being a Christian. You can be. You can live a good life without being a Christian. You can find meaning at a certain degree in your work. You can find meaning at a certain level in your family. And most of us spend the majority of our time doing it. But what I'm telling you this morning is that if you ultimately want to answer those two questions, who am I and what, I am, what am I doing here? The answers are found in Jesus. We find our purpose ultimately in the King who is Jesus. We find our purpose in his death and we find our purpose in his resurrection. So as we embark on this series together, this is what I want you to know. You are created in the image of God. You, you are broken and that's okay because Jesus is whole and you find your purpose in him. So ultimately guys, here's what I want us to wrestle with on this beginning of our series. How would you answer those questions? Who are you? Who are you? And what are you doing here? I want you to wrestle with those questions this week. I, I want you to read the book of Ephesians for yourself. And ultimately, I want you to come back on Sunday so that you might learn a little bit more about who God created you to be. Let's take a few moments now and let's pray together. God, we are grateful. We are grateful for this time that you have given us. And God, in a culture that increasingly says that we are an accident, that, that we are the product of a blind evolutionary process. God, on this morning, help us to know that the answer is so much bigger and better. God, this morning, some of us need to know because we're struggling. We need to know that we're created in your image. God, help us to know 
that God, we find our purpose in you. God, may, may you guide us as we go throughout our week so that we can ask those questions. Who are we and what are we doing here? And God, my prayer for each person who is here in this room, my prayer for each person who is wa watching online is that we could ask those questions. And deep down in the depths of our bones, may we hear the resounding response that we are created in Christ Jesus for the good work of showing your world his glory. Be with us as we continue to worship in just a moment. This is our prayer, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.